Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we break down a heartbreaker in Dallas, including the good and bad of Shifley. Perfetti is MIA and a major hockey pet peeve of mine. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Well, that's a tough, tough way to kick off the weekend. I mean, normally, normally your team scores a six on five goal in the final minute and you're feeling pretty good about things, about grabbing at least a point. But unfortunately, that's not the situation the Jets find themselves in. And it's also not the opponent. You can be giving up points too as well. So all in all, a really tough result with that 4-3 overtime defeat to the Stars in Dallas on a Friday night. And really throughout the entire game, it was these tiny margins here and there. The inches, as uh, as Tony D'Amato would say from any given Sunday. These small, tiny, little things that were costing the Winnipeg Jets. You know, in the game, and then ultimately a chance at making up ground in the wild card chase as well. I mean, we'll get to the second goal that was allowed by the Winnipeg Jets on the night a little bit later on in the episode because that deserves a uh, a bit more of an in depth breakdown. But if you look at goals one, three, and four on the night, there weren't these major, major breakdowns by the Winnipeg Jets that led to all three of those tallies. You know, and, and a lot of the breakdowns that we've seen in the past from this team. In fact, you could even make the case that in all three of those plays, the Jets were in the right spot, but somehow the puck still ends up at the back of their net, and somehow they still end up with a loss and one point instead of two. I mean, on the first goal, it's essentially a three-on-three inside the Winnipeg Jets' end, and Andrew Kopp is right beside the Dallas forward that eventually gets the goal. He's just a split second late when it comes to recognition of where that forward is, and he just can't quite get his body positioning in front of the player there. I, I forget. It might have been Peterson, whoever it was. doesn't really matter. But Andrew Kopp just can't quite get body positioning there. And that ultimately leads to a puck in off the skate in the first goal of the night for the Dallas Stars. On the third goal, what's, what appeared to be the game winner at the time, with Jamie Benn getting again in front of the net, getting position. On, in this case, Josh Morrissey. You know, again, Josh Morrissey doesn't do anything 
egregiously wrong on the play. It's just, again, a half second slow in terms of recognition of the play. And that allows an offensively gifted player like Jamie Benn to get into the right spot. And then a really, you know, underrated play by the Dallas Stars on that one as well. Just kind of a no-look feed right in front of the net. And that allows Ben to get the redirect on that. But if Josh Morrissey can, you know, get an inch or two in front of Jamie Ben on that play, maybe he's able to get a stick on it. And you know what? The Jets can find the winner in regulation as opposed to trying to tie it up with under a minute to go. And then you have the eventual OT winner where, you know, in an OT frame where the Winnipeg Jets actually played really well and, you know, quite honestly, deserve to have scored first there. You have a situation where they're able to force a turnover, essentially a turnover on a a poor choice from the Stars to shoot it. And Kyle Connor has Mark Shifley in all alone. I mean, yes, Shifley is, you know, breaking the zone a little bit early there, but if he gets the puck, it's an automatic breakaway and a chance to end it for the Winnipeg Jets. And whether it was Connor fumbling with the puck a little bit or a Dallas star closing in on him and he couldn't sense the pressure in time, it was, you know, just a half second too short. And eventually we see the turnover there from Connor and then the ultimate game winner from the Dallas Stars on that one. Three goals, three goals that the Winnipeg Jets gave up on the night. And we're talking about half a second on each of them. An inch or two on each of them. And unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets, with the start of the season that they had to this point, there's, there's no margin for error anymore. Like, they can't miss on basically all these little plays throughout the game, right? Like, there almost has to be an element of perfection in each game and each night and to maintain that moving forward for, what, like 39, 40 more evenings? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, this is why it's so difficult for any team of the National Hockey League to chase down clubs that have multiple, multiple point leads on them in the standings because you just, you, you can't afford... You can't afford imperfections like we saw in that game. And again, you know, it's nothing egregious. It wasn't a lack of effort or anything on those specific plays that the Winnipeg Jets suffered. It's just a step or two here or there. And that's ultimately the difference in a hockey game and the difference between the Jets making up a point or two on the Dallas Stars in the standings. And instead, now you're looking up and Dallas is six, seven points ahead with a game in hand on top of it, too. And there's a few more teams that you have to climb ahead of, right? Like it just that was the crappy part of it is that it was a very, very winnable game for the Jets. But as has kind of been the trend and the fashion all year long, they they go out of their way. And even when they find a way to tie it, they go out of their way to lose it. And I think it's an opportunity, a big, big time opportunity miss for the Winnipeg Jets. Can coaching change? Those half seconds, those one-inch plays, do you need better players to avoid finding yourselves in those situations? I mean, maybe it's yes. Maybe maybe the answer is yes to both of those. I mean, maybe it's just kind of the nature of hockey. Hockey is a, a sport where a bounce or two here or there can really change the outcome of a team's game and a, and, and a team's season, let alone a narrative of a, of a franchise like we've seen with so many Stanley Cup winners in the past. So, I, yeah, it just, all in all, it really sucked that it was just these little tiny plays here or there that ultimately cost the Jets in this game. And again, like we saw just before the break, you have a great game against the St. Louis Blues. Maybe you start to get some momentum going, but then you have a stinker against the Flyers. 
You come out of the gate with a huge win against a really good wild team. And while it's not a stinker, it's just a big opportunity miss. The Jets were, I, I thought, okay throughout the game. They weren't dominant as as some people calling the game might have suggested. But I thought they were okay and, and good enough to get out of Dallas with two points. But once again, they just find ways to lose. And, and that's that's got to be the key moving forward, whether it's this coaching staff or another, is how do you turn these 50-50 games late in the third period into wins, into two points, instead of just trying to find a way to salvage one point? So a tough one. All in all for the Jets, and uh, would you look at that? Anaheim has just tied it up against Seattle. So, I mean, by the time you listen to this, you'll know what happened in that game, but the bad breaks just continue to keep coming for the Winnipeg Jets. It, it's, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. It, it's kind of becoming the reality as more and more games come by here, and it might be even more apparent once the game against Nashville comes to an end Saturday night, but... It just looks like it's a mountain too call, too call, too tall to climb for the Winnipeg Jets here, and it might be down the stretch just more important to focus on the individual side of things when it comes to the Jets as opposed to the macro view of the team because it it just doesn't look like it's going to be their year. Now, we talked about goals one, three, and four that the Winnipeg Jets gave up on the night, and you know, on those three instances, it wasn't necessarily. Awful play by the Jets that led to those goals. Just maybe a bit of bad luck and and just being a little bit slow in terms of recognition on what happened there. That was not the case on the second goal. The second goal is basically a textbook definition of god-awful rush defense. It was absolutely atrocious and there were more than one suspects to blame on that play. And I don't even know who, who you give the line share of, of blame on that one. I, I mean, it was pretty equal all around there. And it, a pretty innocuous play, honestly, to begin with. I mean, we've seen teams try to target the Winnipeg Jets like this in the past. And they've had success to that. But the Jets were relatively well prepared to deal with this. It was just really one pass through the neutral zone. And what was basically just going to be in even man rush up the ice, you know, an even amount of Dallas Stars attackers, an even amount of Jets defenders, quickly turned into a two-on-one and then basically a tap-in off a pass back door two-on-one against Connor Hellebuck. So so how does that happen, right? Like, how does that happen so quickly where the Stars can go from not a lot is going on to three or four seconds later, the puck's in the back of the net? Well, you know, a lot was made of Neil Pionk's decision to pinch up on the Stars forward there, I, I saw some people saying, you know, you can't pinch in a situation like that, or it was a bad pinch, a bad decision to pinch, I should say. I don't think it was a bad decision to pinch necessarily from Neil Pionk there. I, I just don't think he committed on the play fully. Like, either commit 100% to the pinch and be aggressive with it, or sag back and, you know, play a little passive and just trust that you'll be able to defend it. As a team, you know, at worst case, a three-on-two-ish or a three-on-three. And you have Connor Hellebuck behind you, and you're, you're going to be okay most of the time in that situation. But pick one of the two, right? I think Neil Pionk was just a little bit hesitant, hesitant in terms of how he was going to attack that play. I think if he pinches and skates a little bit harder on the Stars forward there, he's able to break up the play. You know, it's a turnover or it's a chip into the jet zone, and not a lot of damage is done. But he's just kind of slow in in getting towards it. And that play, that kind of reaction is just, it's going to be death. 
and we see a, a pretty quick redirection, and then all of a sudden the Stars get a two-on-one, and it becomes major, major danger time for the Winnipeg Jets. His defensive partner on the play, Billy Hanela, does not play the two-on-one good at all. It's it's a brutal job. I mean, you just yeah, it's not an ideal situation for a defenseman to be in, but that's going to happen throughout the course of a game, and you got to find a way to defend it a little bit better. And really, Vili Hanela doesn't take away either option. That's kind of the main problem, first and foremost, is the Stars forward there can either pass or shoot it. And he just kind of waits, 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 and makes the nice feed over to Tyler Sagan, who puts it into the back of the net. I mean, we see defensemen do this all the time now, and it's it's really the play to make is you commit your slide a little bit early while trying to angle at the same time the puck carrier towards a less advantageous scoring position. But we don't really see Villahenola do anything, and the absolute cardinal sin is allowing that puck to go through because once it's a cross-eyes pass onto the stick, you know, it doesn't matter that Connor Hellebuck's in net the puck's probably going to find its way to the back of the net. At the very least, you know what? Take away the pass. If it's one-on-one shooter versus Connor Hellebuck, you know what? You live and die with whatever happens on that play because you know that, you know, for the most part, Connor Hellebuck is going to stand tall and make a big stop there. So that's the second breakdown. But the third one is something that, I mean, I don't know. I saw some people mentioning it, but I think a lot of people might have missed is just how does Tyler Sagan end up so wide open in that situation, right? Like, how is there nobody to cover up for Sagan on that play? And unfortunately, it's a, it's a usual suspect because if you watch that play develop, Mark Shifley has Tyler Sagan marked inside the Dallas Stars zone. And as they both move up the ice, you know, basically right around, just before the blue line, I would say, Shifley and Sagan are, are pretty close to even at that time. But Sagan takes a couple of hard strides up the ice, and Mark Shifley kind of glides up the ice. And at that point, Sagan's able to create a good, I don't know, 10 feet worth of separation. And by the time Mark Shifley sees that Tyler Sagan is well ahead of him, it's just, it's far too late. There's too much of a gap to make up. So that, I mean, it's it's just a breakdown in really all three areas of trying to defend transition and then rush defense a bad pinch in the neutral zone bad decision making i should say in the neutral zone a piss poor job of played a two-on-one and then in my opinion arguably an even worse job in terms of tracking your man and then back checking to take away a scoring chance at the far side of the ice so one of the worst sequences i think we've seen from the jets defensively this year and that really is saying something those are the ones that are completely, completely correctable and have to be fixed. You, you can't, you don't see the great teams have breakdowns like that. The other goals Winnipeg gave up on the night, you can live with night in, night out. Because for the most part, you know, it's just a slight lapse in concentration. That was a little more effort-based and attention to detail. And it can happen. And it's unfortunately why the Winnipeg Jets are in the spot where they are in the standings right now. Now, a few more things to get to from the rest of the game. We got to talk about Cole Perfetti, you know, both for what he did and, you know, what he didn't do with some lineup decisions. A few other lineup decisions as well on the night. And I mentioned, too, a major, major pet peeve of mine happened in the game. It's something that's always pissed me off, and it pissed me off once again in this one, and it kind of affected the Jets in a negative way as well. We'll get to all that in just a sec, but quickly, 
a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings, one of the official sports betting partners of the NFL. And the big game is just about here. Maybe the best NFL playoffs of all time so far. It's just been crazy. And we're getting the game that I don't know if anybody could have ever predicted. Bengals versus Rams in just under two weeks' time. And DraftKings Sportsbook has a huge, huge deal on the table for you to get in on the action in time for the big game. Live in New York as well with DraftKings now. So for anybody in the Empire State... You can bet there, and if Sportsbook is not in your state or province just yet, remember DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest will be on tap for Super Bowl 56. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. All right, well, let's go back to Cole Perfetti for a second. Now, Cole Perfetti, I thought he was having a decent game. You know, not, nothing too crazy. But, I mean, that pass, once again, in the second period on the Jansen-Harkins goal, it's just a high-level play, right? Like, anybody else in that situation, myself included, would have tried a shot, probably would have got deflected, and and nothing happens there. But instead, you know, being the high-level thinker that he is, just a great draw pass, and then as good of a pass as that was, the shot was outstanding by Jansen-Harkins. A great play all around to tie the game up at two. After that, though, Cole Perfetti didn't play a whole much. I mean, in the third period, he sat out for really the majority of the period. He had two shifts. I didn't remember the first one. The final one came with under three minutes to go, and it was a brief one, really just to give Shafley and Dubois a bit of a breather before the Jets pulled the goalie in the final couple of minutes. I I didn't see a situation that rendered a, a benching from Cole Perfetti. I, I might have missed the shift that ultimately led to a benching like that, but I don't know. I, I I don't get it. I didn't like it. I mean, he's been one of the bright spots for the Jets, not just because of his age and, and prospect status, but just that he's been flat out one of the best players on the team. You know, you were struggling to, to generate offense a lot in this game, the Winnipeg Jets were. I mean, he's one of the best guys added on the team. I, I, I didn't, really, didn't really get it. I don't think a lot of people liked it as well. It will be very intriguing to see what the lineup is going to look like in Nashville on Saturday because, you know what, Jansen Harkins, to his credit, did have a pretty damn good game moving up into Cole Perfetti's spot. But, you know, with Dubois starting the game on Lowry's line, you know, maybe you go back to what has worked and and what's been the Jets' best line for a long, long stretch of time. So some good for Perfetti in this one. And then, you know, kind of taken out of his hands, but the bad came after 
for the 20-year-old who, hey, at the very least, was able to get on the score sheet in this one. The other interesting thing when it came to, you know, I guess coaching decisions from Dave Lowry was Mark Shifley in this one. And I don't know if it's happened for a while now, but it was the most noticeable to me, at least in this game. And it's been something that I've been hammering on for a long time. I think it's been a long time coming, and I think it's completely deserved and and completely the right move. But it's just that in this game, you know, Mark Shifley was basically a winger for the majority of the game. It It was Paul Stasny that fulfilled the center role on that line with Shifley and Blake Wheeler. I mean, there was a number of draws that we saw Paul Stasny take, and he's very good at that as well. But even a number of times that that Paul Stasny was, you know, both the first guy back on the back check, but then the ones taking on defensive duties down low inside the Winnipeg Jets and the same way a center normally would on that line. And I just, the more and more I watched, the more and more I saw Mark Shifley playing on the half wall there, playing wing inside the defensive zone. It was, it was just intriguing. It's something I'm going to keep an eye on and, and maybe anybody watching can can look out for as the next couple of games progress here. But to me, that's the move, right? Like, we we all know how much Mark Shifley's defensive game has been criticized this year and the past couple of years as well. To me, the move is simple. Just move him out to the wing for now. And until the effort starts to ramp up a little bit on that side of the ice, you know what? You can still... You can still use the offensive brilliance of Mark Shifley, but you lessen his defensive impact by putting him out there on the wall when the puck is inside your own zone. And, hey, I don't know if it's coincidence necessarily as well that Shifley ends up with a two-point night and, you know, without a great save by Ottinger and OT, might have, you know, a two-goal, one-assist performance. So I do like that move by Dave Lowry, and I think it's something that really, whether it's Stasny, down the middle or, you know, Andrew Kopp, if there's a rejigging of the lineup, to me, I, I you just, you, you got to earn those responsibilities as a centerman. And if you're not getting that, that having Mark Shafley out there on the wing is going to be the best benefit to the Winnipeg Jets when it comes to where to put 55 on the ice. Now, the final thing in the game, and this is, like I mentioned earlier, a, a major pet peeve of mine. It really, really pisses me off and it pissed me off watching this, but The Winnipeg Jets were really aggressive with their pinching throughout the entire game. I mean, their defensemen were really aggressive in terms of trying to get up on the Dallas Stars forwards. There was some some bad, but I think more good than bad in the game. And, you know, hopefully from that perspective, the Winnipeg Jets keep being aggressive when it comes to jumping their defensemen and pinching and clamping down and things like that. But the big play from that regard was Brendan Dillon absolutely laying the body on John Klingberg in the second period there. It was it was a textbook hit. It was beautiful. I, I loved it. And it, it, got the, it got the crowd buzzing even a little bit, even though it happened against one of their own. But a beautiful, beautiful clean hit from Brandon Dillon on that play. John Klingberg eventually gets up. Maybe his pride was, was wounded more than he was on the play. And, and, and the play kind of goes on for a few seconds. And so, of course, what happens after a clean hit? A fight has to happen. I I just, I hate that so freaking much. It, it's bothered me for so long, but I feel like we see it more and more now. And maybe it's because big hits become rarer and rarer in the NHL with, 
you know, the emphasis on head safety and, and all the things like that. I, I, I don't know what it is, but it drives me up the wall, man. I just hate it. And good for good for Brendan Dillon for answering the bell against Jamie Benn. And I guess good for Jamie Benn for sticking up for a teammate. But why the hell should Brendan Dillon have to fight on that play? Right? Like, Brendan, he did nothing wrong. You're allowed to hit people. It's a contact sport. You're allowed to be physical. Like, I get wanting to defend your teammates and things like that, but you know what Jamie Benn should do in that situation? When you get back to the bench, tell John Kleber to keep your head up next time. Right? Like, I, I just don't, I don't see why you need to punch somebody in the face because your teammate got taken out by a good clean hit. And it's not like it was immediately after the hit either, right? And, and you're just caught in the heat of the moment. It was a good five, six, seven seconds after the play, and Kleinberg's fine, right? He skates off to the bench. He got hit hard. No big deal. It's just so dumb. It's so, it's so, so dumb. I could, I look, I don't like fighting in hockey anymore, but I can at least understand if a teammate of yours gets hit and they're injured on the play, and you stand up for him like that. Like, I, I I, don't agree with it, but I can at least understand it. But when Brendan Dillon just makes a hockey play and he hits the guy with the puck pretty hard, but clearly cleanly, and everybody's okay in that situation, just go play hockey. Hit Brendan Dillon when he has the puck then. Like, if, if it bothered you that much, then take him out. Or take out, you know, Shifley or, or Stasny or Perfetti, right? Like... If you don't like your own guys getting hits, then go hit somebody else on the other side. Ah, got me all mad now, and I gotta go to bed before I get up at 6 a.m. with a little one and a little bit. I, I need like another 30, 40 minutes to cool off now. So, thanks, Jamie Ben, you bozo. But like I mentioned, that's uh, I, I gotta go to bed here. So that's gonna do it for the episode for today. Thank you guys so much for listening once again. We'll be back at it next week. Back to our more regularly scheduled time. We'll return on Tuesday with a couple games to break down and look at for you guys. The Saturday night, the second end of a back-to-back against the Nashville Predators. What again is another must-win, it seems like, for the Winnipeg Jets. Before the competition eases up a little bit with a Monday night matchup at home against Chicago. So... We'll get back to it on Tuesday, and and basically every episode moving forward, there might be a game or two that we have to break down with how crazy the schedule's about to get here. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much once again for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll be back at it on Tuesday. Until then, though, stay safe, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Peace.